Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, July 15th, and we're talking about the year's hottest tech IPO. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com senior tech specialist, Daniel Sparks. Daniel, how's it going? Good. How are you, Dylan? Doing all right. Um, so yesterday, shares of Line Corporation began trading on the public exchanges. Um, this is an online messaging company. Uh, they are trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol LN. Shares are also available on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. And the first uh, first day of trading treated the company pretty well, huh, Daniel? Yeah, shares uh, rose about 30% uh, around there in the first day of trading. Um, market cap now is around $8 billion. Uh, like you said, the hottest tech IPO this year. So that's one of the reasons it's so well covered. Um, and I think you mentioned it's under the symbol LN. Um, but uh, yeah, Japanese messaging service, kind of similar to WhatsApp, uh, Messenger, um, huge emphasis on stickers, um, has uh, messaging, voice calls, um, and, and they're always trying to add more services uh, for people. And I think one of the more interesting stats that I'd seen around this IPO and just kind of market news in the past week is a combination of bullishness from the line IPO and some of the crazy price movements that we've seen from Nintendo following the launch and widespread cultural phenomenon of Pokemon Go. Those two things have pushed market sentiment and the Tokyo Stock Exchange to its best single week gain since December of 2009. Uh, last I checked, it was up like 9% this week. Yeah, the timing definitely couldn't have been better for for Line to go public. Yeah, I know a lot of people. Um, a lot of people were worried when Twilio went public uh, you know, about mm-hmm. a month ago. Uh, you know, with all the Brexit concerns and things like that, that it was a really poor time to go public. Uh, it seems like conditions were pretty great for Line. Um, so no complaints there, I'm sure. Uh, why don't we dive into the business a little bit? All right, yeah. So the business, um, they started as a messaging service about five years ago. They have uh, around 218 million monthly active users, and uh, they're primarily coming from uh, Japan. Uh, the service is really popular in Japan, Taiwan, and Thailand. In in Indonesia, uh, Line is second to BlackBerry messaging service. So. Uh, BlackBerry is good at something. And let's see, uh, stickers, like I said, are a huge part of their business model. Uh, I think uh, the the business, I think it was the global chief officer or some, some name like that from, from the business uh, pointed to Pokemon Go's success this week uh, as evidence of the value of intellectual properties and characters. Uh, so they're really big on characters, which is Interesting, and and you'll see whenever you see references to Line, uh, all their press material, they always have these like cartoon characters showing up. Uh, so that's a really unique. Well, it, it's somewhat unique because you know emojis in general are popular popular right now, but they're really focusing on kind of building out this intellectual property of of characters and cartoon characters. Yeah, it seems uh, like so, it's a it seems like it's a very big part of their strategy and something that they kind of uh, anchor to as a differentiator. Um, yeah, that's that's what I'd say is differentiate differentiation. And so um, you talked about their main markets: Japan, Taiwan, uh, Thailand, and Indonesia. I think those make up about 150 million of the 208 uh, 218 million monthly active users. Um, and Japan, uh, I believe, contributes about 70 percent. Of revenue uh, for the business, so uh, they're heavily concentrated in East Asia. Um, 
they've pulled in roughly 1.2 billion in revenue in the trailing 12 months. Uh, right now, they are uh, posting gap losses uh, to the tune of about 55 million. Um, with their current market cap somewhere around 8 billion, that puts them at just over uh, seven times trailing sales. So, just kind of give you some background there. Um, you want to dive into kind of how they make money, some of the different segments there? Yeah, I think it's worth returning to what you said. Is 70% of the company's revenue uh, comes from Japan. Uh, so, investors should keep that in mind that it 218 million monthly active users might seem small, but when you consider 70% of the revenue comes from Japan, uh, clearly it's a really dominant platform there. Uh, one, you know, a, a, akin to how Facebook is popular here in the U.S. So, yeah, some of the opportunities here with the business, I think uh, in the near-term line is focusing on uh, expanding its domain. So, that's kind of interesting. Geographic ex expansion isn't really their focus. Um, and you could see that's kind of been true for them in the past, uh, given their high concentration in just uh, three countries and, and the revenue coming from Japan. Uh, so, that's one of their one of the ways they're expanding is uh, they're look, looking into music and video streaming. Uh, they recently got into mobile payments, taxi hailing. Uh, they have a low. They're kind of a low cost mobile carrier in Japan with their uh, line out service. Um, so that's one of the opportunities is is just expanding on their already uh, very engaged user base in their uh, geographic markets uh, before they actually go outside of those regions. And that was and, that was actually yeah, one of the one, that was one of the reasons um, they cited as a use of proceeds for the IPO. Um, you know, they said they'd be seeking funds to finance business expansion, could involve investment, could involve acquisition or some sort of strategic cooperation. Uh, one of the other reasons they cited was debt pay down. They mentioned they were going to be using some of the capital from going public to pay down around 400 million dollars in debt. Uh, I think a lot of that would be coming due between now and September 2016. So, just to give you an idea of what the plans were for the money that they raised. Yeah. yeah let's see. Uh, one other opportunity worth highlighting is that, uh, you know, man management kind of believes in this trend. And it's, it's a trend that hasn't really been talked about much. But when you think about it, it could be true. It's hard to tell right now. But um, Line believes that apps are heading this way where, there's going to be more services within the app that that basically there's beginning to be too many apps and it's le leading to co confusing consumer experience. So uh, they believe that that's kind of an opportunity there too. And you kind of get that sense when you look at their revenue mix. Uh, you know, we looked at a PR release from a couple months ago and it gave a nice little breakdown of how they make money. Um, so top level here, 35% comes in what they categorize as advertising. Another 35% via content, 22% uh, from communication, and 6% uh, from other services. Um, and so you see that breakdown, and you're like, okay, they're fairly well diversified, and you can see they have their hands in a couple different things. To give you an idea of what goes into each of those categories, content includes line game, line music, line play, um, and a whole host of other things. Communication, stickers, what is something that we may or may not agree with being categorized there, themes, uh, line out, other um, line, uh, sorry, uh, advertising, uh, line-related ads, and portal-related ads. So, um, you see their hands in a bunch of different things, but I'm not so sold on that revenue breakdown that they're providing of 35, 35, 22. I think stickers 
uh, it's kind of misleading to have that in communication. I think it's really more of something that kind of belongs in content. Right. Yeah. It, so that does highlight the two things that there are a lot of areas contributing revenue, uh, which is interesting, and that is you know what what line wants to do. But yeah, when you lump them into bigger categories, like you said, stickers and even themes could be considered a content area and. And we were talking about this before the show that maybe stickers and themes is lumped in the communication just because it's uh, related to their messaging service. But at the end of the day, um, it's, you know, if you're trying to evaluate the sustainability of the business model, uh, stickers and themes, you know, should be given the, the same sort of uh, value as content. So, uh, yeah, that is an interesting thing. And just background in case we've lost any listeners in what a sticker is, these are basically these packages, um, similar to how you think about an emoji, that users can pay for and use to communicate. And so, uh, some of the revenue coming in from there is just people choosing to buy these packages and be able to use them with their friends. And a, an interesting note is I did hear that some of their characters can cost as much as $6. So, they're, they're cartoon characters. <laughs> That's insane. That is so yeah. much money. Um, I don't see it personally, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's why I'm not a user, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, looking at some of the risks, we touched on them a little bit before, but I think user-based concentration is a big one. Um, so, 151 million of the 218 million monthly active users are in Japan, Taiwan, Thailand, and Indonesia. Um, those markets experience growth of 23% year over year. I think that's great. But I just worry about them being able to take this concept and port it over to uh, other countries. Yeah, that is the concern, um, especially if they can't grow geographically. It it could be a concern because uh, they're basically building their business model into one that's more costly by focusing on expanding their domain within their current regions. Um, so as they add more services and become more of a one-stop shop. If there is an app that comes into their geographic region and you know starts making inroads on their user base, then they're going to be left with this really costly uh, business structure. So that's that's a major risk. Um, and, and actually, is, that strategy in a lot of ways is kind of counter to what we've seen Facebook do, right? You know, uh, Facebook for a long time was build, build audience, build audience, build audience, and they've added features. But I, I think for them, it was much more about global reach first. And building out the platform into these distinct categories, and now focusing on news a little bit more, and uh, live video and things like that, uh, kind of secondary. Yeah, you're you're exactly right, and that, that really highlights a risk. A lot of times, we're able to look at social networks and say, well, how does this relate to what Facebook has done? Because you know, Facebook has, by a, a many counts, uh, executed far beyond anyone's expectations. So they're kind of the the standard setters. So it is a little worrisome to see this company trying to really focus on building their domain before uh, focusing on a, a geographic ex- expansion because it, it really just hasn't been done at scale yet. And beyond the idea of the concept playing in other markets and people being willing to pay for stickers and what they are packaging all together working, um, you also have a pretty fragmented. Uh, space in Messenger, right? I mean, there are a lot of Goliaths that are already there, and it's it's really tough to break into a market where you have Facebook Messenger, you have Snapchat, you have WhatsApp, and then beyond that, like you know, here in the U.S., I found out from my friend that's a teacher, 
you know, a lot of her kids use a messenger service called Kick, um, which has a huge U.S. user base. I didn't really know it all that well, but um, you know, once you get beyond the top tier companies, um, there are still all these other like smaller players there. I, I just wonder how effectively Line is going to be able to grow their user base outside of East Asia, given how crowded the market seems. Right, and I almost wonder if they're you know saying that they're focusing in the near term on current geographic markets. Um, could be almost a disguise for a massive risk uh, because you know you could look at the fact that they're not in other geographic markets as evidence that uh, these giants are out there and it's not easy to just you know jump in and and add to the many social uh, messaging apps people already have I mean WhatsApp is over 1 billion users. It's it's huge. Um, Facebook Messenger, 900 million monthly active users. So uh, these are huge services. And then you have Kick, uh, then you have Snapchat. Uh, so it's not going to be easy to expand geographically. So they could be focusing uh, locally just because they have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great point. I, but I do think it's going to be tough for them to maintain and grow that $8 billion valuation unless they get out of those markets. Um, right. You know, you can add on so many services, but uh, really boosting your addressable market and the number of users on a platform is one of the easiest ways to boost your valuation as a company in the social space, right? Right. Yeah, another risk uh, while we're on risks is uh, kind of the growth is, is slow. Um, so in the last three months, monthly active users total are up 3.3%. Uh, interestingly, even though they only have 218 million monthly active users, Facebook's uh, sequential growth, so in in a three-month period too, uh, is up four percent, and and that's not including you know all of its other apps, um, Messenger, WhatsApp, which are actually growing faster than Facebook. But uh, you know, Facebook is a is uh, I can't remember the exactly. Do you remember their monthly active user base? I think it's one point one point five. Five billion. Okay, one point five billion. So, and, and they're growing faster than uh, yeah, even with than line right now, even with a much larger denominator. Right. Um, I think part of the reason that the market was really fascinated by this IPO is it is the largest one in the tech space so far in 2016. Um, there haven't really been a lot of IPOs. Uh, there just hasn't been a ton to be excited about. I think uh, for new companies, but also this is the first time that we're getting a standalone messenger app. Going public, right? Uh, everything else has been, you know, Facebook Messenger is nested underneath Facebook. Uh, Snapchat is currently private. We haven't gotten a glimpse at what the market thinks about this type of business. And I think for the next six months, year, it's going to be really interesting to watch this company. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, so that's one of the biggest things is that it's a messaging app going public. Uh, we can look back at. WhatsApp's valuation uh, when Facebook purchased it, and that was a huge shocker for everyone. You know, when when WhatsApp uh, was valued at uh, twenty-two billion dollars, it it just kind of shocked people. Um, and one thing that we could that what this does for us is it gives us kind of another comparison to WhatsApp is when you look at it on the valuation per monthly active user. So. Uh, Let's see. So, thirty-seven dollars per user is what uh, was paid for Line, and forty-two dollars per user uh, was what Facebook paid for uh, WhatsApp. And uh, let's see. At the time, 
uh, for some perspective, WhatsApp had 400 million monthly active users when Facebook purchased it. Uh, and now they, and that was in uh, October 2014, and now they have over 1 billion monthly active, active users. Uh, and even you know, just from looking at that, you can tell that uh, WhatsApp is growing faster. But uh, even when Facebook made the purchase of WhatsApp, um, it was clearly growing faster than Line is now. Um, so, so yeah, it gives it gives investors kind of some comparisons of messaging apps, uh, and it makes Facebook's acquisition look uh, look a little better. You know, forty two dollars per user for WhatsApp versus thirty seven for Line uh, finally gives uh, Facebook's valuation a little a little credence. Yeah, it's it's nice to be able to level set a little bit there. Um, anything else before I let you go, Daniel? Yeah, I think that just one area worth talking about is Apple. Uh, when they recently announced their upcoming update for iOS, one of the things they did is started building in all of these services natively into uh, natively into the OS. Um, so this is it, it brings up kind of a a near term opportunity and a long-term risk because in the near term it means services like Line, uh, services like WhatsApp. Um, so you're, you're going to get a phone call from these services and it'll actually come through just like a phone call. It's not going to you know, pop up a little notification box which you have to click on and then go into the app and answer the phone call. Um, so in the near term it means all of these companies get more access to you know, Apple's user base and but in the long term, I kind of wonder if it's going to commoditize these messaging apps, and they're all going to seem so similar. And you know what the value of having a one-stop shop really will be when they're all seamlessly integrated into the the user experience. So uh, that's another interesting thing to think about. Yeah, that Apple approach kind of takes all of these distinct messaging services and makes them kind of faceless, right, and puts them. In their OS, um, and it makes it a little bit tougher for people to even realize that they might be using them. Um, so I think, I think that's an awesome point. Uh, well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or just want to reach out and say hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus@fool.com. You can always tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com/podcasts. And if you're looking for more tech content from the Fool, follow us on Facebook at Motley Fool Tech. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Daniel Sparks, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!